Thank you, Craig. Can everybody hear that? When Craig suggested uh, taking a favorite psalm, I said, well, I haven't got one. There's, it's my favorite book, so there's so many in there. Where do I start? So I thought starting at number one was probably the uh, best place to go. So shall we pray that God will speak to us through it? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're with us this morning. I pray that the words that I speak will bring glory to you and that you will give all of us the ears to hear what you have to say to each one of us. Amen. Oh, for the joys, it starts in my version. I've been reading NLT recently. And um, sometimes I wonder when we... I used to be in the choir, a choir member back in my old church. And uh, when we were chanting the Psalms, I used to wonder, where is the joy gone in this? Because I was so struggling to get the tune that uh, I couldn't really quite get into the place of feeling the joy that went with it. And uh, I think often psalms can be like that. Sometimes it's the words that speak to us, and sometimes it's the tune. And I'm reminded that uh, this is actually the hymn book of the Jewish people, the book of psalms. It's chanted and and, uh, recited in many places all the time. And I think it's uh, an interesting one to start with. Probably should be an introduction to the series, but it's better to have an introduction in the middle than than not at all. Um, Most of these uh, songs, if you like, these hymns of the Jewish people, are there for a reason. And it's interesting when we look at our hymn books and our song books, they're all in alphabetical order so that you can find which one you want. And there are thousands of them to choose from. And I didn't know that last one, but obviously it was somebody's favorite, so they chose it, because it had particular associations for them this morning. And so I'm looking at this one. Psalm 1 and 2, I believe, according to the commentaries, were written as an introduction to the songbook when they rebuilt the temple. So it wasn't um, an ancient hymn to them. It was a modern hymn. It had just been written as an introduction to the whole collection of all their traditional hymns. So the traditional songs of David, written 3,000 years ago, they're pretty ancient. And uh, some of the songs of Korah, even more ancient than that, were all collected together and put into a standard version. And here's Psalm 1 and 2 as an introduction. And in the introduction, it uh, it seems it was very consciously written to say this is what this book of Psalms is going to be about. It's on topics. It's not alphabetical. It's looking at how God's wisdom affects us and how God's reign is secure. And so Psalm 1 is all about the wisdom of God for us and saying, pay attention to this book of Psalms because this is the wisdom of God. And I could sum up the the scripture very quickly. I'm, I'm being challenged by Craig this morning to fit this message into 12 minutes. I'm a teacher. I'm used to having an hour to explain to kids my points. And, um, Even in the Baptist church, they give us 20 to 30 minutes, so I'm I'm very challenged to get this into 12. But blessed is the man who does what God says. Essentially, it says, if you obey my law, you will be blessed. You will be joyful. And if you don't, you've had it. And that's it, really. That's what the psalm is telling us. You'll be blessed or you'll be cursed. And uh, we're very happy to sing nowadays about the blessings, lots of songs about blessing, not too many that we put to music if it's about the cursing. But the Jews being particularly 
um, good at turning things around, start it all off not by saying you will be blessed if you do this, this, and this, but by saying you will be blessed if you don't do this, this, and this. So if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the seat of sinners, or sit in the place of mockers. And I often sit there reading that thinking, well, I wish I knew exactly what that meant. And that's why it takes you to verse 2. I'll meditate day and night on the Lord's word, on the law of the Lord, so that I understand what it means. And to me, the pivot of the psalm is in that third verse, that if we do that, if we really consciously take our time to reflect on God's word, then we will have that future hope that we'll be like the tree that's planted by the rivers and bears its fruit in due season. And uh, I think it's, it's interesting in this time of uh, past, just past the drought that we've got certain trees that are still managing to stand and certain plants that are still there that have their roots deep in that soil and in that water of God's word. We should be like that tree if we're in that water of God's word with his Holy Spirit. So he's got three things in the wisdom of God's word. Number one is the past, that the, the book of Psalms is going to tell us to look back to the past and the places where we met with God. And I'm sure that's why many of you have chosen those hymns, because it reminds you of a particular time that was special to you. It might have been your wedding, it might have been a time when you were um, particularly blessed by God. And so you chose a particular song that is associated with that time. Um, The book of Psalms is doing that for the Jewish people. It's looking back to the time when God spoke to them in a special way. And uh, for me, uh, when I lived in Israel, I had six years teaching in Jerusalem, and I wanted to visit some of these places that are mentioned in the scriptures, but I never managed to get to the place which I think is so strongly associated with this psalm. And that's a place called Shechem, and Shechem is the... uh, often referred to now as the Arab city of Nablus. It's a Palestinian city, and it sits between two mountains in the middle of Samaria, right in the middle of the Promised Land. Moses told the people of Israel, when you get into the Promised Land, go to those two mountains, and the two mountains are called Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, in the middle of Samaria. That's the place where Abraham first met with God. That was his covenant place. That's where many of the patriarchs had specific, special moments. And for the people of Israel who'd come out of the desert, he sent them to that same special place, and he said, I want you to stand in between those two mountains. So if you can imagine it, on the north, we've got a mountain called Ebal, which is dry and rocky and barren. It's about the height of Scarfell Pike, so it's not that tall, but it's quite rocky and barren steep slopes, and it stands there on one side of a pass. About a thousand feet lower, you've got a shoulder or a saddle, and that's what Shechem means. It means saddle. So on the saddle of the mountain, I want you to stand and have half the people, half the tribes of Israel, about a million or so people, half a million at least, and then on the other side, the other half million, up on the slopes of Mount Gerizim. So on the south, you've got this other mountain, almost as high but much, much greener because it's got the springs that flow out of it and pour water into the valley. And that's why there's a big city called Nablus there today, because it's got water pouring out. And when you're at that place, 
I want the priest to stand in the middle, kind of, kind of a bit like I feel like I'm at the moment. I've got Ofsted behind me, <laughs> marking my sermon, and I've got the, the rest of you far in front of me. But you, the priests had to stand in the middle, and they got six tribes on one side and six tribes on the other side. And the tribes that were on the dry, rocky mountain had to shout out, I accept this covenant of cursing if I don't do what you say. I will accept the punishments. And there's a long list of them. And all the people go, amen. I don't know if we'd be so willing to do that today. (laughs) But all the people of God accepted those curses if they didn't follow what he said. And on the other side, they read out the blessings and said, but these are the blessings that God will give you. He'll give you prosperity in the land. And what you will have will be all of God's provision and blessing if you do as he says. So I think that the hymn book started off very deliberately choosing to remind them of that place, that past place where they had stood as a nation and made their covenant, renewed the covenant of Abraham and said, we are God's people, we are going to abide by his laws. And I think it's good for us as we sing our songs to remember those times when God has met with us in the past. Because for me, the music brings it back into the present. And I know we all fight about the tunes. I've just spent five, five days or so um, camping with the young people at Soul Survivor in Stafford and trying to learn their songs. And I have to say it's, it's quite difficult on my ears to, to sit in those places with that loud, thumping music. But it's been very special for me. It's been a really good five days because now I know why they sing those songs. I know that the Holy Spirit did something very special in their lives and that's why they love those songs because it associates with their meeting with God. And so I'm going to learn those songs not because I love the tunes but because I love those young people and I think that we as family need to learn each other's tunes whether they're ancient or very, very modern. So as I read this psalm, I'm reminded of my own spiritual journey. And um, it's far too long to share all of it with you this morning. I could go back 45 years, July, 20, uh, July 13, um, back in 1973, when I was at a little church in Barrow, I made that first conscious step to say, I receive you, God, into my life. I want to hear from you personally. I want to start a relationship with you. I'd already been confirmed. I'd already sung in the choir. I'd already heard the gospel for many years. I'd been sent to Sunday school by nominally Christian parents, but I hadn't really seen it modeled, and I didn't realize that I needed my own personal relationship with God. That day, I realized because some people came all the way from California to sing in a choir, sing in our assemblies, and I thought they were really cool dudes, so I went to their little concert, and I gave my life to Christ for the first time. Probably the second landmark for me was two years later, when I finally found fellowship, and I started to grow in the family of God, and I got invited to Blaithwaite House up in Cumbria, and I was working as a... um, general skivvy really, making beds and uh, veg prepping and things like that. But in the evening we had free time to go to the meetings of the Good News Crusade. And I sat and listened to them worshipping God and singing in different languages, uh, speaking in tongues as it's called, and I knew there was more that I needed in my life in order to keep my 
Christian life going. And so for me, going forward yet again and saying, I surrender completely, God. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. That was a very special time. That was a second landmark. And I think in a way, those are, that's this particular date that I look back to as a place where I started to really hold on to God and move ahead in my Christian life. So there have been many others, ups and downs, places of guidance taking me to this country, to that job, to this person and that person. And it's been a long journey. But I think we need to take the time very often as family to sit and tell each other those stories. If we're going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit with us um, in our worship, then we need to know each other's stories. We need to take that time, not just to learn each other's songs and sing them for an hour on Sunday, but to hear the whole story. What are the landmarks in your life? Let's have some time in the present moment to keep our relationship with God alive. And finally, I feel that by reading those scriptures and singing those psalms and songs and engaging in that process, I get the promises of God. I get the encouragement to move on. Very often, we want to cling to what we know already. And after 45 years of following Christ, There are ways in which I think I I get into a a way of thinking, perhaps I know what I'm doing. And every now and again, I get a rude awakening that says, you've got to move on. You've got to move into the uncomfortable place. I I was very impressed this week to hear from uh, Mike Pilavachi, the leader of Soul Survivor, who has spent 25 years nearly, uh, it'll be 25 years next year, leading this massive youth camp for thousands of young people. And he's saying, God has told me to put it down and move on. He said, imagine me, he's a big man, quite fat, not athletic looking. And um, he said, a, a person in, in New Zealand came and gave him a, a word of, from the Lord and said, I, see, I saw you in a dream and you were a trapeze artist. Imagine. Mike Pilavachi swinging from a trapeze. I can't quite picture that at all, and neither could he. But he said the trapeze artist has to let go of one swing in order to get hold of another. And I think that's what our, our challenge is as we come together around God's word, to challenge one another, to let go of what was yesterday's provision, yesterday's manner, and to take hold of today's so that we can move on and swing into the next part of our life with God. And he's willing to do that. He's uh, a man of 60, and he says, I'm becoming a grumpy old man now. It's not, uh, it's not good to be with the youth leading this kind of thing when you become a grumpy old man. But I've, I've realized that God is taking me onto the next trapeze, onto the next step. And others will step into that gap and grow up behind. And I think that's our challenge as well, to step into the future, trusting God to do something new in our lives and not just uh, hanging on to what we already know. So I think those are my three points, really. That's good. (laughs) Is that 12 minutes? I don't know. I'm not counting the time. But uh, for me, that's what this psalm is saying. It's saying, you will be blessed. You will have joy, Diane, if you look back to where I've met you in the past, if you keep on worshipping me with my family in the present, and if you look to me, the new thing that I'm going to do for you, the new song that I'm going to put in your life, if you'll trust me. So I I hope that has been of some encouragement to you. And uh, 
and that we will be able to get together as family and do that. Share our songs, share our stories, and move on into the future that God has for us together. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that your Holy Spirit keeps us moving. Even if it's out of our comfort zone, I pray, Lord God, that you would keep us close to you and keep us together as family. In Jesus' name, amen.